thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. Hey everyone, it's so good to connect with you at the start of this brand new series, The Lost Arts. And we're looking at the lost art of navigation. And um, I want to just tell you a story as, as I kind of get going. Uh, my wife, Alison, uh, and a friend of hers, one of our other female leaders here from the church, several years ago, they were in South Africa. And they'd been in this project that we were involved with at the time. Um, we, we're very passionate about HIV, AIDS, and poverty issues, and, and helping people in communities. And they'd finished this trip, and they were in a car, and they were going to drive five hours to Johannesburg Airport. Now, here's the thing. There's only one road they had to navigate. They just had to turn left at a certain junction and then all the way and they're at Joburg Airport. Only they didn't turn left. They were so busy talking to each other that they just sailed on past uh, the junction and they just kept on driving. And then a few hours later, they thought, I wonder if this really is the way to Johannesburg Airport. And then they faced this sign that said this, Welcome, you are now about to enter Swaziland. They were on the border of a completely different country. What do they do? They're looking at their clock, their watches. Uh, they want to get to the airport. They're stuck. They can't navigate. And then they thought, I need to ask for directions. So they asked someone for directions. And here's the amazing thing. The person they asked for directions didn't just give them directions. They actually said this. Why don't you follow me to the road? I will take you where you want to go. I wonder whether we've lost the art of asking for directions. In fact, uh, guys are notoriously guilty of not asking for directions. In fact, according to research, men travel an extra 900 miles in their lives getting lost. Okay, That's the equivalent of going from Land's End to John O'Groats. That's the whole of the UK. We lose that. 6% of men surveyed don't ask for directions or check a map. Over twice as many go on regardless until they find an alternative route. But the one that makes me feel a bit ashamed to be a man is this. There was a survey of a thousand men, 14%. They said, we refuse to stop. Okay. If we're lost, we refuse to stop. And the reason is this, because all roads eventually lead to the same place. Men, if you think that, you really do need some help. But you know, there's another kind of navigation that we've lost the art of. And I think it's making good decisions. Making good decisions is an art form. And I think we've lost it in our culture and in our society. And in this talk today, I'm going to give you four ways to make better decisions so that you can rediscover that lost art of navigation through the uncertainty of life. And to help us today, we're going to go back way back in time to an Old Testament character. The Jews call this guy the father of faith and his name is Abraham. And on his journey of life, navigating life, he didn't always get it right. He didn't always make good decisions. And we'll look at some of that today. But he kind of made some good decisions as well along the way. And um, you know, in the, in the New Testament, which is the second half of the Bible, there's a, there's a letter there or a book there called Hebrews. And, and it was written to a group of people that were, were in a season where life was uncertain where it was chaotic. They were living under the persecution under Rome and um, all of their maps, all of their reference points were gone and, and they were struggling and they were drifting back and they were, they were, getting, they were feeling hopeless. And, and into the middle of that, uh, the writer of Hebrews writes about the importance of faith. And one of the hallmark uh, 
chapters in Hebrews is Hebrews chapter 11, where it gives some like little summaries of some of the Old Testament characters and Abraham is in there. And we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 11. I'm going to pull out from this four ways of making better decisions. And listen, if you're watching on YouTube right now and you're not a Christian and you're not a follower of Jesus, I think this makes real sense what I'm going to share with you right now, okay? But if you are a follower of Jesus, this is so important that we remind ourselves about why our faith is so important when it comes to making better decisions. So let's look at the first point. And the Bible says in Hebrews 11 verse 8 this, By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as an inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. First way to make better decisions is this, use a compass rather than a map. Use a compass rather than a map. And each of these four points, I want to put a little photo up. Well, I'm not. A tech person's going to do that. And here's the first one. It's a compass. Now, don't you think, what is a compass? Let me show you something else that you won't have heard of. I don't know whether you ever know. What is this I'm about to open? It's a map. It's an ordnance. Yep, I've got it upside down. It's an ordnance survey map. Any of you remember reading ordnance survey maps? And I remember reading these back in the day. And you're in your car and you're... Maybe if you're driving or whoever else is driving and the person next to you, they've got the map out and you're looking and you're thinking, how on earth do I get here? But you see, we have lost the art of map reading. And this is why I've lost the art because I can't even, you can never fold a thing up, could you? So you, we've lost the art of map reading. And you see then map reading changed to sat-navs. And the difference with a sat-nav is the sat-nav doesn't help you navigate. The sat-nav tells you where to go. I don't know about you, but I've been to loads of places using my sat-nav. I can't go without the sat-nav now. I've become totally dependent on the sat-nav. But you see, here's the thing. A map is okay, okay, when, when the territory is known. When you're on the map, that's okay. A sat-nav is okay when the roads are known. But a sat-nav is not okay when the batteries go or when you lose your connection to the internet. And a map is not okay when you're off the map. And the reality is we're living in a world right now which is off the map. We're living in a world right now which is uncertain. Here in the UK, we're in our second national lockdown. We've all been engrossed by what's been happening in the United States and I'll reference that a little bit later. We're living in the middle of a global pandemic. There's so many things that, that we're struggling because we haven't got the sat-nav in our ear and we can't make sense of the map because we are off the map. It's then that you need a compass. You see, a compass predates these because a compass is, is like 2,000 years old, uh, the compass was invented. And you see, it's then that you need a compass. You see, because what a compass does is a compass gives you a, a sense of true north. It, and that's for Abraham, you see, his compass was his true north. For him, it was his faith in God. So the satnav was no good. He was off the map. He was going to a country and he didn't know where it was. God literally said to him, leave your country and go. I'm your true north. When you want to make better decisions, you use a compass rather than a map. Now, Abraham didn't begin with a faith in God. In fact, Abraham lived in a land in a culture of many gods. And we don't know how Abraham's friendship with God began, but it did. And as it began, it so grew within him that God only had to say go and Abraham went. And I want to say to you guys, if you've got that kind of internal compass, when you're making a decision, you want to say, hey, how is this decision lining up to my true north, my internal compass? And Abraham was called to go to a place by who? By God. And that was enough for him. That was enough for him because that was his true north. So 
Make better decisions. Firstly, use a compass rather than a map. Maybe in your life right now, it feels like you're off the map or it feels like your sat-nav has died. That's when you need a compass. You need an internal value, an internal true north. Second thing is this, in verse 9 it says, By faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. Second way to make better decisions is this, know who you are, not who they are. Know who you are, not who they are. And here's the photo or the image or the icon I want you to think about. It's a thumbprint. So you and I each have a unique thumbprint. It's unique to you. And I want to say make decisions based on your uniqueness and your values, not on what everybody else is doing. The Bible says that Abraham lived in a place, but he didn't live like everybody else. Now listen, if you're a follower of Jesus, that doesn't mean that you have to be weird. It doesn't mean that you have to wear sandals and it doesn't mean that you have to go out into the desert. You live in the system. Yes, we, we, live, we wear the clothes, we, we, we work in the jobs and, and we do all of that. We listen to the music, we watch the movies. We live in the system, but we don't live by the system. We know our identity and our decisions are made on our internal values, on our unique thumbprint not on what everybody else is doing. Have you, have you noticed that everybody else has got a bigger or a better er? Do, do you know what I mean by an er? It's like it's newer, it's faster, it's smarter, it's cuter, it's younger. And here's the thing, when we live like that, we live ruled by comparison. And guys, here's the truth, nothing will rob your joy like comparison. And I don't know about you, but, but you know, when you live like that, we make decisions then based on comparison rather than on actually our internal values, our thumbprint, our unique identity. And you know, if you're not a Jesus follower, you will never be the person you were created to be when you're always looking over your shoulder at somebody else. But if you are a Jesus follower, then you'll never experience God's purpose for you if you're always comparing yourself to somebody else. Nothing will rob your joy more than comparison. You know, I saw a Facebook post this week, which I really liked. And it says this, It's okay to repeat clothes, to not upgrade your phone, to buy secondhand and to live in a simple home. And can I just pause and say, guys, as we approach Christmas, you know, you and I, if you're a follower of Jesus, in fact, if you're not, this is relevant. We don't have to live like everybody else. We don't have to always upgrade our phone when the new one comes out. We don't always have to say, well, they bought it. I need to buy it. Well, theirs is new. Mine needs to be new. They've moved house. I need to move house. They've done this to the garden. I need to. Nothing will rob your joy more than comparison. You don't have to make decisions like that. Let's make decisions based on who we are rather than on who everybody else is. So when you know who you are, you will make better decisions. You see, when you're tempted to withhold the truth, you'll say, no, that's not who I am. When you're tempted to give in to something that you know is not the best for you, you'll say, no, that's not who I am. When you're tempted to pay back those people who've treated you badly, you'll say, no, that's not who I am. When you're tempted to quit on your deepest values and commitments, you'll say, no, that's not who I am. A leader in America, North Point uh, Community Church in Atlanta, Andy Stanley, he says this, our decisions determine the direction and the quality of, of our lives. Guys, in this season, our decisions, your decisions 
my decisions will determine the direction and the quality of our lives. Use a compass, not a map. Know who you are, not just who they are. Number three, for he was looking forward, the Bible says, to the city whose founda- with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. How do you make better decisions? Number three, make decisions today with tomorrow in mind. And here's the image I want you to think about. Use a windscreen, not a rear view mirror. Now, both are needed in a car. When you navigate, you need to look forward and you need to look back. In fact, the Roman god Janus, where we get the name January from, was apparently a two-headed god so that he could look forward and look backwards. And both are important. It's important to look back, but it's really important to look forward. In fact, I think we need to glance in the rearview mirror and gaze through the windscreen. You see, if our memories are more important to us than our dreams, we're in big trouble. How do you make better decisions? Make decisions today with tomorrow in mind. Abraham navigated well because he made decisions today with tomorrow in mind. He was looking ahead, the Bible said, to a city with foundations whose architect was God. And he didn't know how to get there, but he had a compass. He didn't know how long it would take, but he had a unique thumbprint. So he didn't have to live like everyone else. But he was looking through the windscreen, not through the rear view mirror. And I want to just open this up a little bit and give you some practical wisdom. And the Apostle Paul, who writes much of the New Testament, in the book of Ephesians, he writes this. In Ephesians 5, 15 to 17, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Guys, you do not have to have faith to know that there's wisdom here and there's truth here in what I've just read. Let me just unpack it a little bit. These three short verses, I think, contain an absolutely life-changing question, which will not only help you make better decisions, it will save you time, tears and money. Let me just unpack it. Paul says, be careful how you live. That word live means walk. Careful is a, is a phrase that means look around so that you don't step in anything. Okay, we won't carry on with that. Not as unwise, careless, but as wise, careful. And then he says, make the most of every opportunity. Now, this is a concept around time. Because you see, you, you, you've got to redeem time because you can make more money, but you cannot make more time. So make the most of every opportunity. And then when he says, because the days are evil, that phrase um, literally means the days will carry you away. It's like if you're in the sea or you know, you're, you're on the coast and I've been in some seas around the world with very strong currents. And if you put your feet off the floor, the current just takes you. Paul says you're living in a system. You're living in a world where if you're not rooted, the current will take you because the days are evil. Before you know where you are, you'll end up in a place that you never imagined you would be. Then at the end, he says, so don't be foolish, but understand. And when the Bible talks about foolishness, it's never talking about intellect or intelligence. In fact, the Bible, some of the most intelligent people ever, the Bible would say are foolish because foolishness isn't to do with intelligence, it's to do with decision making. It's to do with wisdom. You see, you're wise when you make good decisions. You're a fool when you don't. 
And, and Paul then ends up by saying, understand what the Lord's will is. And that word understand in the original language literally means this, face up to the truth. Tell yourself the truth. And I want to really say this right down the camera to you. You can't lead yourself if you're lying to yourself. You can't lead yourself if you're lying to yourself. Even right now, where you're sat, maybe you're lying to yourself. You can never lead yourself if you're lying to yourself. And Paul says, hey, face up, wise up to the truth. And then in the light of all that, I think there's a question almost contained within these verses. And it's simply this, what's the wise thing to do? That question there, okay, could save you time, tears and money. What's the wise thing? You see, we ask questions like this, you know, um, what's the legal thing to do? What's the easiest thing to do? You know, what's the quickest thing to do? But they're the wrong questions. The right question to make better decisions if you're looking through the windscreen for tomorrow, not the rear view for yesterday, is what's the wise thing to do? You see, we ask things like this, do I want it? You know, can I do it? Will it hurt anyone? Will anybody really know? That's not the wise thing to do. Guys, nobody plans for their marriage to break up. Nobody plans for their kids to end up a mess or their finances out of control or their life controlled by bad habits or addictions. Nobody plans. It's just that nobody plans not to. And so when I've married people, you know, in the front of church and we married Dan, our worship pastor and Amber uh, on Wednesday this week and it was so great to do that. But you know, nobody that walks down the front of a church to get married thinks, do you know what? I might make some bad decisions and end up and this is all falling apart. Nobody does that. They just plan not to. They just don't plan not to. So nobody plans to screw up their lives. They just don't plan not to. This question will help you plan not to. What's the wise thing to do? And if you're looking through the windscreen, you're looking to tomorrow, not just today. So I want to open that question up a little bit more because I think there's even more depth in this question. What's the wise thing to do? And this is teaching from Andy Stanley that I want to pass on to you this morning. And he says this, open it up in these three ways. Number one, in the light of my past experiences, what's the wise thing to do? So just come out of a marriage or you just come out of a relationship and it's broken up and you're hurting. Is it the wise thing to do to jump straight back into a new relationship with someone else straight away? In the light of your past experiences, what's the wise thing to do? You see, it might be wise for someone else to do something, but not for you because of your past experiences. That's real wisdom. That's real self-awareness. And then secondly, in the light of my current circumstances, What's the wise thing to do? You know, again, guys, as we, as we approach Christmas and, and you know, and um, the shops are shut here in the UK or most of them anyway, and, and on, we're all going to be online crazy and nothing else to do. And it's so easy, isn't it, to press, click, click, collect, bin, check out, done, done, done. In the light of our current circumstances, what's the wise thing to do? Guys, I want you to make decisions today that you're not going to live to regret tomorrow. And, and guys, if you're a person of faith, you know, bring Jesus into those conversations as well. And then thirdly, in the light of my future hopes and dreams, what's the wise thing to do? And here we come back to this windscreen question, you know, if I'm looking to where I want to be tomorrow, what's the wise thing to do today? 
The decisions I make today will affect the tomorrow that I move into. I, I saw this just a day or so ago because I didn't have time to put it on the screen. A guy called Lance Witt, he said this, always do what your future self will thank you for. Isn't that brilliant? Always do what your future self will thank you for. You want to make good decisions? You want to make good decisions? Then make decisions today with tomorrow in mind. Maybe for some of you that's, hey, I need to make decisions about my physical body. We looked at that a few weeks ago. I need to look after myself. You know, I, 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 can't, I, can't, you know, I can't redeem, well, I can redeem the time. I can't make more of it. So maybe I can make some decisions about my physical health today that I would be grateful for tomorrow. Maybe it's in the area of finance. I can make some decisions today financially. Me and Alison just talked yesterday about Christmas and hey, you know, I love buying presents. That's one of my big things. I love buying presents for her and for other people. And we said, hey, in the light of our current circumstances as an economy and as a community, hey, we need to be think we're thinking about that. We don't need to keep doing that. Make decisions today that you're going to be thankful for tomorrow. And maybe when it comes to other big decisions that you're making, you know, don't keep gazing in the rearview mirror. Gaze through the windscreen. Think about where you want to be and who you want to be tomorrow. I think that's the kind of faith that Abraham had. He says he, went, he was looking ahead, looking forward. So, so important. So use a compass. Don't use a map. Know you, who you are, not who everyone else is. You know, you look through the windscreen, look for tomorrow, the decision you're going to make today. And then fourthly, and we, we, we come to Hebrews 11, verse 11 to 12, says this, And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, Nice, isn't it? He as good as dead came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. And if you know the story, you've got this old man, Abraham, and his old wife, Sarah, and they are well past childbearing age, okay? And um, they want a child desperately and God says, you'll have a child. And, and they're so emotional about that. But you know, here's the thing that as time went on, um, the child didn't materialise. And, you know, we're going to look at that next week. Laura, who you, who you saw some of you uh, in the post and the pre-service, she's going to be speaking next week on the, the lost art of waiting and what's it like when you wait for what you promised and you felt that you deserved or you felt that you should have. And they got emotional about that. And, and that leads us on to the fourth and the final way to make better decisions. And it's this, don't let your emotions be the boss of you. We did a series right in January called You're Not the Boss of Me. You know, emotions become the boss of us. And here's the fourth and final little icon or picture I want you to look at. And it's this. It's a picture of a tour guide. There's a difference between a tour guide and a travel agent. A travel agent will tell you how to get there. A tour guide will take you. And in fact, Alison and myself, we were next week, we're about, we were supposed to be leading a trip. Some of you from the church, along with some friends of ours in America and another church, we were going on a trip together to the Holy Land and to Jordan for eight days. And, and you know, and we obviously can't do that now because of the global pandemic. That's been put forward to November next year, 2021. And so many people from the church have signed up for that. And we're going to be launching that again in January. But here's the thing that's going to make that trip so amazing. The travel agent is brilliant and they're organising all the places to go and the places to go are going to be amazing. 
But you know what's going to make the trip absolutely life-changing? Isn't the role of the travel agent. It's the role of the tour guide. Because they're going to be some local tour guides who know the culture, who know the history, who know the best places to eat, I hope, who know everything about it, who are going to not just tell us where to go, but are going to take us there. And that's why I want to say to you, your emotions make terrible tour guides. They will not get you to where you want to go. If you make decisions out of your emotions, I think you will end up tomorrow in the land of regret. But when we say, I'm not going to let my emotions be the boss of us, we're on to a better way of making decisions. You see, in the story of Abraham and Sarah, there were moments where their emotions got the better of them. They couldn't wait. And so Abraham said, God, you promised I'd have a child and it hasn't come. So he took matters into his own hands and I won't get too graphic here. But basically he tried to manufacture it himself with another woman. And the history of the world has been changed and shaped by the emotions that caused that decision to happen. There's another occasion when because of the emotion of fear, he uh, pretended that his wife was his sister because he was fearful of what might happen to him. Again, when we let um, uh, anger or we let um, uh, fear or we let envy or we let jealousy be emotions, they become like the tour guide that takes us where we don't want to go. And that's a really, really bad thing to do. Can, can, can I just say, what emotions did for Abraham is they caused him to forget his compass, to ignore the thumbprint, to gaze in the rearview mirror and then to be bossed by his emotions. And can I just say to you, you know, we've, we've all these last few days across the planet been, um, you know, kind of watching with bated breath what's happening in the US. And, and of course, that's still, you know, so much up in the air and so much uh, tension around that. And I've, I'm aware that, look, I've got very strong political views as well. OK, I've got strong thoughts and feelings about some stuff. But I've noticed as I've been watching social media and, uh, uh, and the news that how, me- how much we seem to have lost the art of disagreeing agreeably. We seem to have lost the art of holding in tension the fact that that two, you know, you can have a, a view of this thing and you can have a view of this thing and it doesn't mean you're enemies. We've lost the art of conversation and dialogue. We've lost the art of holding our tongue. And so we just say whatever we feel to say and we're driven by emotions. And can I say, however you wanted the, the presidential elections to work out in America, and that's, that's up to the system there and all of that. Right now, guys, if you are a follower of Jesus, our prayer must be for unity. Our prayer must be for coming together. And it's the same in our nation. It's the same across the world. We need to be careful that we don't let emotions become the boss of us. Guys, can I just say, We're very weary right now. We're very weary because of the situation. Lots of us have got decision fatigue. I know in churches, there are a lot of difficulties in churches uh, and there are a lot of difficulties in businesses and organisations and nations. And it's symptomatic, I think, of the fact that we're being bossed around by our emotions. We've been in a lockdown. We've been in COVID for so long and the future is uncertain. And, and in all of that, let's hold on and let's say, God, would you be the master of our emotions? Would you be the boss of us, not our emotions? So what do you do with all this right now as I come into land? How do I apply these principles? Right, so when you're facing a decision, pause and ask yourself some questions. Is this consistent with my compass? If you're a person of faith, is this true north 
with who I say I am? Number two, is this consistent with my identity? Is this my thumbprint or or am I just doing it because everyone else is doing it? Number three, is this the wise thing to do? In the windscreen of my future, is this the wise thing to do for the tomorrow that I want? And number four, is this decision driven by emotion or is it driven by something or someone else? Guys, I want to say, I want to say, hey, we need a tour guide. We need a windscreen. We need a thumbprint. We need a compass. And guys, you can have one. And his name is Jesus. Here's the amazing thing. Abraham, the Bible says he's the father of faith because he just believed God. And in Genesis 15, he says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. The message translation says that means he was set right with God. Listen, you don't have to work out all the answers. You don't have to know all the answers to all the questions. All you need to do is simply trust Him. The way to make better decisions is to put your hands and your life into the hands of the one who holds everything together. His name is Jesus. He is the perfect tour guide, not just to tell us where to go, but to take us there. Like that guy on that mountain on the border of Swaziland, who didn't just tell my wife and her friend where to go. He took them to the road. You can know him too. So maybe today you want to say, hey, I want that kind of faith. You know, maybe you haven't got that faith, but you could today. You could take a step. We would love to help you. In fact, we're going to put something in the chat right now and you can follow this link through to our website. We'd love to start communicating with you. You know, we're running an alpha course in January. I know it's a few weeks away, but just keep your eyes open on social media for that. You can do it virtually. So you can just zoom into that wherever you are in the world. If you don't have faith, you could have that. Maybe you did have faith. And you've lost that. Maybe you've lost that internal compass, that relationship with Jesus. Maybe today's the day when you say, hey, I want Him back in my life. I don't just want to be bossed around by my emotions. I want someone to take me to where He wants me to be. You could invite Him back in again. Or maybe you have faith, but right now you're struggling to make good decisions. And you're faced with loads of decisions all around you. Why don't you invite Him into that decision and say, Jesus, would you be that compass? Jesus, would you be that thumbprint? Jesus, would you be that windscreen mirror and that tour guide? So I want to pray for you right now. Wherever you are in your home, whenever and wherever you're watching this, invite Him in. He is right with you. Jesus, I want to pray for every single person watching this, whenever, wherever they're watching it. May they know that you are their Lord. You can be their friend. You can be their leader. You can help them make better decisions. Jesus, would they invite you in? And I pray maybe there are some people out there right now and they're in the middle of bad decisions that they've made or bad decisions that others have made that have affected them. May they also know that you are the restorer, the redeemer, the forgiver, the one who gives us second, third, fourth, umpteen chances. You're the God who always says, hey, if you've messed up, follow me. Just follow me and I will make you who I want you to be. So Jesus, I pray for every single person watching, listening today. In Jesus' name, Amen.